Well, I want to welcome all of you being here tonight. Um, you know, they all, there's always an old saying, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, this is the second time I've let the elders do this to me. They put my son first and put me second. And that is really, really hard shoes to follow. Um, all I can say is I'm proud of him. He did a fantastic job this morning. So just please bear with me and maybe uh, we'll get through tonight in this together. My lesson tonight is talk a little thing about are you drifting? We're going to be talking about a lot of boats tonight. And I know some of you like to fish and uh, um, boating's fun. It can be a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. But as we get started, I got a little story I want to tell you. There was two sets of men, good friends, were going, where they were going to go fishing. And the little river they were going on, you could only use canoes, and you had to paddle, no electric motors. So they both got there this morning. Two went in one canoe and two went in the other one. And they set off fishing. Both were having a pretty good day, having a good day fishing. Two of the guys, as they had drifted down, had caught, you know, quite a few fish, but they noticed that the water was getting a little bit faster, and they said, hey, we're getting a long ways from the truck. We better start heading back. So they put their paddles in, started heading back up, made it back to the, the shore just fine. The other two guys were having a fabulous day catching fish. They just kept catching and catching. It says one of the best days they ever had. As they continued to fish, one of them said, hey, this water is starting to go a little bit fast. And they said, what's that sound? And they turned around, and there was a dam ahead of them. And it was a small dam, only about 25 feet high, but the water run across the top of it. And the more they said, we better get out of here. So they put the paddles in. The more they tried to paddle, the faster the water became, and it took them across the dam. When they went across the dam, there was big boulders below it. The water pulled the two men under. They never resurfaced. Divers found one of the gentlemen that afternoon, the other guy about three days later. You know, it's sad, but uh, there's danger in drifting. And it's not just limited to the phys our physical being. As Brother John just read just a moment ago in Hebrews 2.1, we find a warning about drifting. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. And you know, sadly, it's not uncommon for Christians to start toward drifting for, you know, toward destruction. The question is, are you drifting? Would you even know if you were? Let's talk about a few common aspects of drifting. Drifting requires absolutely no effort, no effort on your part. You can put, like these two guys did, they put their canoe in. They paddled out to where they wanted to go, put the canoe, the, the paddles back in the canoe, and let the water just take them, gradually drifting down, down the river. You know, one of the most enjoyable things I guess I've ever done when it comes to being in the water was uh, one year at Disney World, we went to one of the water parks, the Lazy River. You put your inner tube in, you lay down in that, and you just drift all the way around. You don't have to do anything. 
and it's probably one of the most relaxing, laid back, lazy things you can have, and that's the reason they call it a lazy river. Drifting does not require any effort on your part. And this holds true for Christians also. If we do nothing, that's the reason we're told we must give the more earnest heed. Drifting is an unconscious process also. It's possible to drift unaware in a boat from the undercurrents and never notice the surface of what's happening to you. You can be in the ocean in a boat and the water can just have just a gentle flow to it, just a little ripple, and you don't, you don't realize you're in one of the currents that could carry you thousands of miles and never know it. When a cruise ship leaves the United States heading to Europe, the captain of the boat is constantly monitoring his direction. He's constantly readjusting where he's going because without that, he could drift off course. If he drifts off course just one degree, he could end up hundreds of miles from where his destination was supposed to be. And you know, this is the same with the Christian lives. It's the same with churches. You know, many of the churches even, they have a tendency to drift away. Small problems enter. Instead of them addressing those problems, they hope they'll go away. Said, if we just ignore this, it'll go away. Then one day, the church itself just finds it's, they find that they've been far removed from what the scriptures are teaching us to do. Have you ever noticed you never drift upstream? You never drift against the tide? Faithfulness to the Lord is like rowing your canoe upstream. To build your faithfulness, you need to build strength and stamina and an endurance. And one of the best ways to build physical strength, get a canoe and every day go out and get into a river and row upstream. You're going to grow. The muscles are going to grow. Your stamina is going to grow. We're told in 2 Peter 1.5, when we want to be have our faithfulness to the Lord, we're told, so, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. We must continue to grow in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. The moment we stop growing, the moment we stop rowing, is the moment we start to go backwards. You get in the, the river, you can, your strength can, will hold out, you can paddle upstream. The minute you put your oars back in the boat, you stop going forward and you start going backwards. Same way with our Christianity. And when you drift, the speed always increases downstream. The dangers come with the speed of the drift. Just like the two gentlemen that got close to the dam, the speed got to the point they couldn't overcome it. It led to their destruction. Many times when we get to the point we hear the noise of the waterfall, it's already too late. The river leading up to the Niagara Falls there's warning signs several miles before you get to the falls. Before you get to those warning signs, they say the river's 
just a calm river like anything else. Once you get to those signs, it's almost to the point of no return because just shortly thereafter, miles away, you start to hear the roar of the falls. And usually when you hear the roar of the falls, it's too late. Not many even speedboats have the power to get away from the current and the destruction that's coming ahead. When a boat is adrift out in the ocean, or even if it's not adrift, you take off and you start heading out. Once you get away from land, when you can no longer see land, it's hard to get your bearing back to where you're going. When we lose sight of the Lord and what we're doing, we get farther and farther away from him. And as we get farther and farther away, we have a tendency to care less and less about what we're doing. Drifting is also very dangerous to others. You let a ship become adrift and it gets into the prevailing currents in the ocean, that's where many of the other vessels travel. A ship adrift can be a huge danger to other ships. When we let our lives become adrift, we're the drifting ship. We've actually become the ship for Satan. And Satan loves it because many times we're going to cause others to fail. If not, many times we let others drift with us. We actually will carry others away from the Lord just by our own actions and what we're doing. And especially you young parents, one thing you need to really realize, when you let your lives drift, you're missing some of the most golden opportunities to teach your children. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admiration of the Lord. And drifting prevents growing. As Christians, we're no longer supposed to stay children. Ephesians 4.14, it says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every kind of wind doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So we always need to continue to grow and be careful that we don't let our drifting be dangerous to others. And finally, drifting always ends in shipwreck. You put a boat to drift. It will eventually, maybe after days, weeks, even months, eventually it will crash on the rocks or go over the falls, and it will lead to destruction. For those who are spiritually adrift because of their own neglect, there's no escape for the punishment that is coming before us. In Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, as we continue to read there, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape? I want to ask you one more time. Are you drifting? Would you even know if you were? Let's look at some common signs of drifting. One of the biggest things that happens to most Christians in their lives, they have a less and less desire to study God's word and to pray. The Bible is the most unique book that's ever been produced. 
It has a source of information that's not found anywhere else. It's steadfast, it's solid, and it's never changing. You know, a lot of people in the world want to say the Bible is nothing more than a history book. What happens to history books? They're rewritten every day of the things that happen today. They have rewritten things that happened two, three, four hundred years ago. Why do they rewrite history from years ago? They find a new discovery that goes back and changes the, from the things they thought. The Bible has never changed. From the day it was written, the message is exactly the same and hasn't changed at all. God has revealed to us his message through the Bible. Without that, how would we know what our origin is, what our purpose in life is, or what our destiny is going to be? The Bible tells us of sin's dreadful consequences, but more importantly, it tells us how God can save us from those sins. It provides direction for us, especially for a way to have a living, happy, and useful life. In Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. When we lose our desire to study God's word, we start to drift. We drift away. And prayer. Prayer is one of the most wonderful blessings that anyone can have. It's a way we can communicate with God. Prayer, our daily prayer in our lives should not be structured. It shouldn't be things that you've heard repetitive over and over and over. Just saying a prayer of repetitive words doesn't mean anything to God. When you truly pray to God, you need to talk to God like he was a friend because God is our friend. Talk to him. Tell him the things that's, that you need help with in your life. And it don't have to be very structured words. God knows exactly what we're saying. He knows what our heart is. Jesus loved his father so much, he prayed often. In Mark 135, it said, Now in the morning, having risen long while, while before daylight, he went out and he departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And in Mark 6, 46, he said, And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And he expressed concern about his disciples to not grow weary in their prayer. In Luke 18.1, he spoke a parable to them and that men ought always pray and not lose heart. Now, a few of us that have been out of high school for several years, we all had friends in school, and many of them we thought was our best friend, the closest people we'd ever have in our lives. Now then, in today, how often do you talk to those close friends? If you talk to them every day, they probably still truly are one of the best friends you have in life. But if you don't talk to them constantly, are they that best friend anymore? Do you go to your high school reunion and you see somebody that was your best friend the first time you've seen them in 30 years? It's really hard to call them one of your best friends. Prayer's the same way. If you can't talk to your best friend, if you can't talk to God, how can you keep that friendship going with him? You drift away from him. Another part 
of drifting we know is we know we're drifting when we start losing that desire to be with God's people. Jonathan told us this morning the importance about attending services, why we need to be at service. We should always have the attitude of the psalmist. In Psalms 122.1, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When we get to the point that we no longer rejoice, rejoice about being able to come and worship God, to be in the presence of other Christians, we're definitely drifting. Fellowship with God's people extends far beyond the, the church services right here. We're to be concerned with edifying one another, to build each other up. In Romans 14, 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which may edify one another. And this edification should occur every day. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily why it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The right kind of fellowship, it strengthens us, while the wrong kind of fellowship will lead us to sin. In Ecclesiastes 4, verses 19 through 12, it says, or 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We've all heard the, the old cliche. Just remember, one bad apple will spoil the whole barrel. And it will. And it doesn't take long. When you start associating with people that don't have God first in their lives, don't want to show to be a Christian life, it's amazing how they can have a tendency to change you. It's hard to change them to the Christian ways. It's much easier for them to change us. So we have to be steadfast and strong and be sure we don't drift. Another way to know when you're drifting is when you lose that desire to share the gospel. Each of you go back and think that the day you were baptized. Remember what that day was like. When you obeyed the gospel, you knew that God had blotted out your sins. He had washed everything away. He'd made you that new creature in Christ, and you wanted to tell the world about it. You were so happy and so excited. In Acts 8, verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered... They went everywhere preaching the word. And then in 1 Thessalonians 1.8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. When a Christian no longer has the desire to tell people about Jesus, about the message of salvation, they're drifting away. And finally, one of the ways to know that you're drifting is, and this is maybe the, probably one of the most important ones, is when we get a bigger thrill over the things of the world than we do Christ. When we start loving the things of this world more than we do godly things, we're setting ourselves up to drift away from the Lord very quickly. Just like it was Jonathan brought out this morning, if it's more important to mow your yard, to go to a ball game, to go on vacation, 
than it is to, to worship God, we're drifting away from God real fast. We're letting the things of the world take over what we need to be doing. John warned us in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. When we reach a point in our life that we find that the pleasures of the world is far more important to us than meeting with other Christians to serve God, we have definitely drifted away spiritually. Well, we know some things about drifting. We know some, some things to watch about. How do you change drifting? What are some remedies against drifting? How do you change your life? First thing, keep rowing. Sometimes you get tired, you keep the paddle in the water, and you keep rowing. If you don't want your boat to drift, you, you put the paddle in the water, and you keep growing. The same thing with us spiritually. We must strive to continually to grow in faith. In 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 7, and then in verse 10, it says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And then in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never stumble. Now, all of us that have to get up and go to work every morning, one of the things you look forward to is the day they call retirement. And I've talked to some people retired, and they say it's one of the most wonderful things in the world. You wake up that first morning. You wake up when you want to. You don't even set the alarm clock. You get up when you want to. You eat breakfast when you want to. You say, what am I going to do today? I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I don't have to do those tasks that are assigned to me. I don't have to answer to anybody today. My life is mine. I can now do what I want to with it. That's great. But for a Christian, there's no place for retirement in a Christian life. Paul told us what he did. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul didn't retire. He kept going to the very, very end. How else do we remedy the path of drifting? <clears throat> we watch out for undercurrents. You know, as we said earlier, one of the things that happened is you can get out in the ocean and the undercurrents can carry you thousands of miles and you never really know it. The surface looks just smooth and silky as glass, but the currents are carrying you and you don't even know it. So we must always be on guard for the undercurrent of temptation. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be diligent, because your adversary the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We need to always 
expect to go against the tide. There's many tides that are here that will sweep us away. Popularity, peer pressure, the praise of others, modernism, skepticism, humanism, false doctrines of every kind. And in the church, liberalism, worldliness, and probably some of the greatest enemies of the church itself in our lifetime especially, neglect, indifference, apathy, lack of interest, and concern. If we drift along with the majority, we are certainly doomed to be lost. We are headed for destruction. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, we're told, says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who will find it. Another thing we must do to keep from drifting, you've got to have a strong anchor. And how do you have a strong anchor in, a Christian, in your Christian life? It must be rooted and grounded in Christ. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. As you are therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding it with thanksgiving. Our minds must always be anchored into the truth, the truth that's presented in the Bible and nowhere else. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. And we must always possess an unshakable hope. In Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. And we must be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Ephesians 3, 16 and 18 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. As an individual Christian, am I drifting? I need to look at my life. Am I drifting? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I headed downstream or am I paddling upstream to where I need to be going? Have I forgotten about that great waterfall that's just down below me that leads to eventual destruction? Am I paying no attention to the riptides and the un undercurrents that can constantly sweep you away? If so, we need to throw our anchor down and our anchors in Christ. We need to be a tied to a rock that can never be moved. In the church, are we drifting as a church? 
Have we let the tides of indifference and neglect take us away? We need to be concerned about everything we're doing to be sure that everything we do, we follow God's word exactly to the letter. Have we lost our love for truth? And if we have, we will slowly drift away. Are we close to being spit out of Christ's mouth because of lukewarmness, just like the Laodiceans? You know, if so, we need to bring our ship back to port. We need to get anchored back where we need to be. We need to renew our alliance and our dedication back to the Lord. If we see that we're drifting from the Lord in any one of these areas, then we need to give the earnest heed that was warned to us by the writer of Hebrews. Again in Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? I like to read the words out of a song that's in our book. Number 337 is called Drifting Alone. It says, So you are drifting along on the tide, out on life's ocean so boundless and wide, drifting away in the morning so bright. Where will you be when you anchor at night? Drifting along with a smile and a song, never once thinking that you might be wrong. Morning has changed to the noontide's red glare. Still you are drifting, but answer me where? Why are you drifting along as before, thoughtlessly down to eternity's shore? Noonday has passed, comes the set of life's sun. Where are you now when your drifting is done? Folks, the salvation in Christ is simply too great for us to neglect. It's too great for us to drift away from. The destruction we have is definitely coming unless we keep anchored in Christ. If you're a child of God and you've begun to drift away, when you've drifted from the Lord, there's not a, a more perfect time than right now to make things right, to cast out your anchor, to hook it on that rock that can't be moved. You know, let the church, let them pray with you. Let them pray for you. And let them be there to support you. If you're here and you've never even become a child of God, the process is easy. Hear the word. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess his name before men, and then be baptized in the water for the remission of your sins. Let's don't let our lives drift away to be useless to find at the last moment we hear the waterfall, the noise, the water being so strong that we can't do anything about it, that we're ready to head over the falls for destruction. While we have the opportunity, put your road your paddles back into the water and start to row. Row back toward the Lord. Go back to that dock and anchor yourself. If you feel like you've been drifting in any way 
and you need the help of the church, there's not a more perfect time than to come now as we stand and sing.